We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live victory Monday edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. You can drive to a brick and mortar bank location, or you can bank from the comfort of your own home. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. I choose to do business with Emprise, and you should too. They have all the tools to give you a phenomenal banking experience wherever you live. Emprise Bank member FDIC. Uh, been fun last 24 hours uh, here at KC Sports Network. We had a lot of great content. You can go back and watch the, the KCSN post game show. Thank you to the 21,000 viewers on the uh, second screen watch party that we did during the game. Shout out to everybody there. Shout out to my dear pal. Find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Matthew Lane, happy Victory Monday. What's up? Yo, Kent. I think you were the uh, eighth best uh, co-host on the live watch party. Um, <laughs> according to my grade sheets, you came in at eighth. It was, it was a quality performance. You were great, but not that great. Um, no, <laughs> you guys had got you great. You guys were killing it. You guys were absolutely killing it. I had a lot of fun coming on the post-game show. I like getting to come on with Craig and all of you guys hanging out for a little bit longer this year on those post-game shows. That was a lot of fun. Um, so, And I, I guess the Chiefs game was kind of fun. I should, I should mention that too. It's not it just decent. about, you know what we did or something over online. The Chiefs, the Chiefs kicked the Cardinals butt, according to Kyler Murray, and he he was correct. So I, I'm excited this week. Uh, Craig is fine. Some would argue Craig is great, so he's just not here tonight. He's got some work travel stuff, so um, I don't think he minds me telling you that. So Craig is great, uh, and he's, he's all right. So um, he won't be with us today. That's all good. Uh, just so I'm watching this game, Jamal Adams on the side. Jamal Adams is getting carted off already. Uh, week one just awful um 
Sorry, I had to saw that just happen there. Um, okay, so the Kansas City Chiefs defeat the Arizona Cardinals, and you know we've had a chance to w- watch it a little bit more. What's one of like just the takeaways on a rewatch that you, maybe you had coming out of this game, Matthew? Uh, the Chiefs did whatever they wanted on offense. <laughs> Greg's so not true. here. We'll stick to we'll stick to the offensive side. Good. Right now. They did whatever they wanted. You could literally have, you know, like the carnival games, like those traveling little carnivals that show up and they have the dart throw into the balloon wall. The Chiefs were just sitting there on the sideline doing that. And under each balloon was just a concept that they had to go out there and execute. (laughs) And they did all game long. You want them to go in 13 personnel out of the shotgun, you know, condense one side and throw the ball done. You want them to go into 11 personnel but get in real tight and run like a uh, Los Angeles Rams outside zone done. Like they just did whatever they wanted to, to that poor, poor Cardinals defense. And I couldn't have had a better time watching it. Good Lord. It was perfect. Like they, everything across the board, like was pretty impressive. I don't know. If I have a ton of notes on what we saw on the offensive side of the football, honestly, because I mean, it didn't matter what the Cardinals did. They didn't have an answer. And I think, you know, they were trying to dial things up. And I know it's not typically the right idea to try to dial, you know, try to try to blitz Patrick Mahomes. But I think, you know, I think they blitzed him on 54% of his dropbacks. I think he threw four touchdowns against the blitz. Not Nothing big, you know, no big deal. Um, but I think I get the rationale a little bit why they tried it because they didn't think that there was a chance at all that they were going to be able to get any pressure whatsoever with four because JJ Watts out Marcus Golden's not, yeah, was, you know, just coming off of, you know, some injuries. So like I partially, part of me wonders if that was the line of thinking for them. It's like, Hey, we're going to try to pressure him and maybe even dialing it up a little bit more when they saw that Mahomes got hurt. Like I, I, that's, I kind of just wonder if that's some of the line of thinking on why the Cardinals try to pressure Mahomes with, with added rushers. I don't. Absolutely. I don't no, it absolutely is like the one, the Cardinals defense already does that in general, right? Vance Joseph with the Cardinals has a pretty high blitz rate. They like to play zone behind it. They play a hybrid front, but a lot of times it comes across as an odd front with a lot of guys standing and moving around. So seeing them blitz the chiefs a lot already, I don't think was that big of a shock. Now, how often they did it. Sure. That makes sense to me, right? Like that makes sense. It was people are freaking out, but I'm with you. No JJ Watt. They lost Chandler Jones. They just get Marcus golden back. Like right before the game, you're not sure what you're going to get as a pass rush. You already see that the chiefs are coming out and from the very first play, like, Oh, they look pretty good right now. What are we going to do? We got to force some turnovers. Maybe we can force them into a mistake doing this stuff. And I think it was just a desperation play. And when you come back out at the end of the day, I actually think the chiefs were slightly more effective versus the uh, blitz and the four man pass rush, but like not that much. It was pretty equal. Like I think the yards per like the air yards per attempt might've been about the same, but the overall yards per play was about the same. So it's not like they were having success, not blitzing. It was just bad no matter what they did. So I'm with you. I think it was a desperation play, but I don't, I don't really blame them for it. I wonder also if part of the reason that they tried to blitz Mahomes was because they were hoping there was a disconnect between him and his new targets with some of his hots, some of his sight reads. I wonder if there's a little bit of that too, where they're just kind of hoping there's miscommunication between quarterback and some of these newer targets that might've forced, you know, so a few more errors. That wasn't the case. The new targets at the new look offense of the chiefs, talking specifically about the new additions to this receiver room 
um, running back room. The tighter room is the same essentially, but they're all healthy. I I couldn't be more impressed with with this group in in week one. It did not look like this was a new group slapped together. And I, I don't know if it's fair to say, hey, this group just got slapped together last week or anything like that. I mean, Travis Kelsey's still here. Offensive line continuity. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It's just the receiver room got blown up is essentially really what happened for all intents and purposes. And not that's big. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, that that quarterback and receiver group, they did they looked like they'd been playing together for years. You didn't you, you wouldn't have known that that was their first game together. Uh, except for maybe one play where Juju probably should have sat down, throttled down a little bit, like on like it was like a dig or a curl kind of route or whatever. I think there was like one play there where it kind of looked like there was a little bit of miscommunication between him and Mahomes. Maybe I think Mahomes looked like he might have been correcting him or telling him what he wanted on that play. But I mean, look, this team had a lot of those issues last year, <laughs> and unnamed players, Byron Pringle, have had been there for a few years. So. Well, but I'm looking at it right now. Juju Smith-Schuster had eight targets, six receptions. MVS, four targets, four receptions. Sky Moore, one target, one reception. I'll even count Jody Fortson as a quote-unquote new player because he missed a lot of last year. He did. He obviously played with Mahomes, but he missed some. One target, one catch. Justin Watson, one target, no catches. But for a new group of receivers, that's a lot of completions. Like it's, They were clearly on the same general page. And I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster specifically, I think – We've talked about it all offseason, especially as we ramped up towards the season. If you are betting season-long over-unders and you feel comfortable banking on his health, smash every over that you can get on any of his lines. I don't know if they've moved from this first game. I don't know how often stuff like that changes. Not a big betting guy since it is very, very illegal where I live. Um, so take your Juju Smith overs, though. Like He's the go-to guy at the receiver spot. I think you get a pretty clear picture of what the Chiefs are trying to do offensively. They're trying to attack horizontally across the field when they want to attack outside the numbers. Yeah, there's going to be some shot plays, but a lot of it's going to be content sets using physical bodies, running corner routes or these out routes. And these are things that Juju is absolutely great at. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL for zone that she see a lot of zones. So I just think if he stays healthy, I think this game was a small indication of what he's in, just a small indication of what he's about to do all year. And that doesn't mean take away anything from anybody else. It's just, I think he's very clearly the guy that connection seemed to be the best or the most, I don't want to say reliable, just the go-to move. So I'm still going to remind everybody every week, take your Juju Smith overs on your season totals. You're allowed to bet on things like Juju Smith Schuster's overs in Kansas. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app is officially live in Kansas just in time for football season. That means betting legally on same game parlays, spreads, money lines, and more anytime and anywhere across the Sunflower State. To celebrate, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on anything and get $200 in free bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on anything. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting your help, getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700, 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash Kansas on behalf of Boot Hill Resort and Casino. 
Uh, all right here. So we talked a little bit about the offense. Um, we can probably continue to talk a little bit more if you have any more notes that you want to talk there. Is there anything else on offense that you want to get go go over outside of that? I mean, I, I well, one thing. You, go. you anything else? Okay. If you don't got anything, uh, Chiefs are big, big team. All of a sudden, I'm sitting here. I'm trying to chart from like the condensed game because the all 22 hasn't come out, and I'm just trying to chart the Chiefs personnel the amount of times that I have to run a play through to see Jersey numbers, because I can't tell if it's MVS Juju Smith Schuster or Jody Fortson, or if I can't tell if it's Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray or Justin Watson who played a surprising amount. I think me and a lot of other people were calling out the chiefs one 13 personnel when they weren't, it was just Justin Watson's really darn big. And so is MVS. And so is Juju. My wife, doesn't watch a lot of football games just because the way a thing set up. When she was watching the game, she saw Juju Smith-Schuster catch one pass and was like, whoa, that guy's huge. And I'm like, yeah, I think he added even more weight this year. And this happened right before the, I think it was the slant where he drug like half of the Cardinals uh, roster, like 10 extra yards or whatever it was. So it's just, it's a big, big offensive weapon group. And that's something the Chiefs have definitely not had during you know Mahomes' tenure. It's big, but like, I don't think it, like it plays big, but also it doesn't like, it's still, it's not sacrificing anything. I don't think it's not the chargers. They still can take stuff off the top. It's not the chargers where everything's right. just contested stuff. I agree with that. It's like a different, it's a different version of a football team, you know, because you've got dynamic pass catchers at the tight end position. I mean, the, the chiefs have the most dynamic pass catching group of tight ends in the NFL. I mean, and they blocked well, all things considered. I think they blocked pretty well this week. Um, with what, with what they were asked to do. I think the run blocking was pretty good, you know, honestly. So, I mean, again, like just there's positive notes there. Like the, the chiefs were running. They ran. It's like one of the plays I'm writing about tomorrow. Uh, the chiefs ran all crossers with their three tight ends. They had two coming and they had, they had one split them. Uh, uh, it's, it's a pretty common kind of rub concept where you're, you're running triple crossers, but you're having one, the single side crosser kind of split the two. And I mean, they have Jody Fortson's Jody Fortson's touchdown cut and Travis Kelsey running through Noah Gray coming, you know, coming across from them. I mean, and they just like they they were getting to their landmarks. They weren't slow. They weren't laid out of it. I mean, the timing was really, really good on the play. Oh, and amidst all that, they're throwing this uh, jet motion to McCole Hardman. who have been trying to pepper into the flat all day. Little play action there, little play action to Clyde. It was just sinister stuff. And like you're talking about making and merging all these skill sets and kind of exploiting the talents of guys. Like that kind of play just creates a, all kinds of eye candy for defenses, personnel, you know, keys that they're playing off of. And then you've got tight ends that are actually capable of running some of these routes. It was just really impressive. Like I think that's just like an exemplification of like what Andy is capable of doing and what this personnel and how diverse this personnel grouping can actually be. I, I, I was just impressed with some of the little things there. Um, even schematically, I, it's just, I, these guys are so smart. I just, I, you know, I, I merging, it's almost like being able to merge just concepts perfectly together and, and, and play styles perfectly together. I was very impressed specifically with that play. Uh, but I'll be reading more about that. You can read more about that article tomorrow. Well, I think that's no, I think that's great. And especially that play, because you're looking at a concept, it's essentially a version of mesh and you're running it in the red zone and you're running it with three tight ends, but they're all athletic enough that they're not just lumbering, trying to push through linebackers and stuff like that. You're actually pressuring defensive backs leverage because they're all athletic enough to. And then on the other, the flip side, 
the Chiefs will come out in 11 personnel and put Watson and Juju or Watson and MVS in a condensed, you know, split. So they're right there almost as wingbacks or maybe slightly outside, like a flex tight end, but only a yard yeah. off the offensive line. And then they'll run split zone out of that with the one tight end actually coming across. But now all of a sudden you're the defense sees 11 personnel. You're going to put nickel out there at least versus that against the Chiefs in the past. I mean, teams wouldn't hesitate to play dime or a light nickel versus that. Now all of a sudden you come out in 11 personnel and you're still able to run, you know, some of the Chiefs more downhill rushing attack because you have wide receivers that can block because Juju's got to be pushing at least 220, about 220. And that's what he looks like. Yeah. And Watson, MVS, good blockers there. So it's just seeing how they were able to do that and then go empty with whatever they wanted to, then come back in and condense an 11 personnel spread out out of 13. It was, they were playing mind games with that. I'm sitting here trying to chart it and I'm not, the NFL teams are obviously going to do a lot quicker, a lot better job at this, but there's a lot, there's a lot that's going into it. It's a lot of the same formations, but with so many different personnel and so many different play types out of it that I can only imagine what you're doing as a DC coming up against this team right now, especially early in the year, trying to put your finger on what to stop. Well, and and they ran the ball well. Like, and you add that into the mix. Like, okay, like the Chiefs have shown pretty quickly, hey, look, we can run the football better than we did last year. I think it's fair to say they were, they're able to run the football a little bit better than they were last year. Um, you're going to create more personnel decisions, like the, to Maddie's point, the defensive side of the ball. How are we going to treat X? Like these are different, like these are problems that you can add. And then the Chiefs can just adjust based on the kind of personnel groups and group or personal groupings that the defensive side is presenting. Are they going to play super light? Cool. We're going to run the football. We're going to run the football well. You know, play a little bit heavier. Uh oh, maybe we go a little bit, a little bit more empty here. You said that you thought they play a little bit more empty than they had in the past. Yeah, I'm, I think they did. I, I've only got about halfway through charting it, but I think I even heard um, on another podcast, I want to say it was going to be, it's either the Ringer or the Athletics Football Podcast, but they talked about it too. And the Chiefs were actually, Mahomes on empty was throwing the ball about double the air distance on average the NFL did last year out of empty. So they were in empty, not a ton, but more than I think they usually have been as of late. And then they were actually pushing the ball downfield a little bit when doing so. I think I think it was a one or two chunk plays. Maybe it was one of those longer corner routes to Kelsey or something that ended up, you know, raising the average. But still, they went out of empty. They completed a couple passes out of it, and it was just they weren't just throwing quick bubble screens. They weren't throwing now routes out of it. They were using it as a weapon. And I think it's worth noting every time they did, they sent the running back out wide to the two wide receiver sides. So you were mostly just getting a you know some kind of three man route on the back side of your empty, but. It was working, and the Cardinals tried blitzing. They tried not. It just no matter what the Cardinals did, the Chiefs are figuring stuff out, and you just go from that condensed set to the empty sets, and the Chiefs are hitting everything they want. If if one of those deep shots to McCole Hardman connected, just one of them, this is about the most complete game you can ever see. Like yeah. they were, there and a, you know, NFL is going to see like, oh no, this is still very much in the bag and something that they will probably hit if keep given this look. But if they actually executed it this week, like. That that I don't know. That's a whole game. That's a complete game. You could not ask for anything else if they hit just one of those. I'm glad you brought up McColl. We'll we'll I want to end on this. We'll jump to the defensive side of the ball. Uh -oh. But um, I really no, I really liked uh the plan for McColl this year. Honestly, I think like what we saw so far, I've actually very much like the the usage for him. So you know they try to get him fast into the flat. You know, trying to pop him, you know, quick and on the edge, and try to get him, you know, catching the ball and turning up the sidelines. But then on the deep overs and some of that kind of stuff, you know, he's running a lot of the vertical stuff that you did see Tyreek, you know, or Tyreek run some of that kind of vertical stuff. 
I like just how his usage was first week. Obviously, they didn't hit, but I like what they did with him. I don't know. You looked a little bit iffy on that. Okay. So it's good to have this because now this whole podcast isn't just going to be sunshine and rainbows. Um, McCall Harbin, I agree with you. I generally like the usage. I think he's he has the ability to be a good vertical receiver. So using him on these shot plays and then behind the line of scrimmage, getting him moving pre-snap is the best way to use him. However, I can't but help think in the back of my mind that Sky Moore, who maybe isn't quite as fast as McCole Hardman when you time a 40, isn't going to give you a better chance to catch one of those deep balls. I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, Moore had seven snaps. McCole had, I believe, 27 or significantly more. I want to see that number get a little bit more even because I think Sky comes away with one of those deep routes like I've seen. My thing with McCole Hardman running deep routes, he reminds me a lot of Albert Wilson. For a guy, and now he's faster than Albert Wilson, but for a guy so fast, and McCole Hardman is legitimately NFL freaky fast. If we didn't watch Tyreek Hill for all these years, we would think McCole Hardman's an absolute just freak of nature in terms of his speed. However, when you watch him work vertically, as soon as he has to turn his head to track a football, his speed never changes. He might even slow down at that point in time. He struggles so hard to look over his shoulder and at least at the very least maintain his speed, but definitely never gets faster. You watch Tyreek Hill or Randy Moss, Deshaun Jackson. These are elite deep ball receivers. They accelerate into the catch no matter how fast they're already running. They can always give you three to four more steps faster than what they are going. McCole can't do that. But I think even if you look down to just deep ball specialists, John Brown during his heyday, uh, Willie Sneed, um, when he was doing a really good job being one of the most efficient deep ball guys, they could give you an extra, you know, two, three, four steps to accelerate into a catch. McColl just never does that. He can't turn his head over his shoulder and continue to run at his same pace and make the best line to the ball. And I mean, we can say Mahomes missed him by a foot or two, and I'm not disagreeing necessarily. But you would think after this point in time, Hardman would go run after or run through one of these catches downfield, and it just it never seems to happen. I think one of those was definitely on him. Uh, just watching him try to run through personally. I know uh, he got a little upset, I believe, on social media today about some people saying that. Um, I was I thought it was really funny, Maddie, that you turned your head away from your microphone when you said turn your head i was dying laughing and like the radio the audience is gonna know exactly what happened too they might even be able to guess just the audio only people are gonna know that maddie you just like turned your head away from your microphone microphone while uh you know i, I guess i should you, turn the other way and still kind of caught some of it i yeah you you, you could have done something different i don't know your head may not have been in the right space maybe you needed a little bit more caffeine i don't know uh maybe you needed some trade coffee uh trade connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft craft roasters these are independent independent businesses from big cities and small towns trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters often being the largest source of new growth for them um whether your friends call you a coffee snob or you just know when it when coffee tastes really perfect trades real coffee experts personally taste test over 450 roasts so they know exactly what to recommend for you the recommendations have been really good for me because i've actually done this and i want a little bit darker roast they they hooked me up uh in a big way i very much enjoyed my coffees from trade so far uh and right now trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 dollars off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash kcsn that's more than 40 cups of coffee for free 
get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash KCSN. They're going to ask you all kinds of questions about how you make your coffee even. It's great. Uh, but let trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash KCSN for $30 off. Thanks, everybody watching. Uh, I know the, the game's going on for the people watching live right now. Hit the like, hit the subscribe button, leave some comments. Uh, we're going to ask some questions, or we're going to answer some questions, I think, a few questions before um <laughs> odor says i transition like chris paul hey oh thank you yeah you know there might be one more coming up here in a little bit um but yeah hit the like button hit the subscribe button we've got uh, 17 shows i believe running weekly about the chiefs on kc sports network so we've got all kinds of content former players you know jeff allen mike devito i believe their show posted today um, you know, you're going to get and, and Matt Hamilton for the producer at good morning football and Matt castle are doing an incredible series film breakdown series, Craig stout and Derek Johnson. You ever heard of him? Uh, they're doing a video breakdown too. We got all kinds of really great stuff here on Casey sports network. It's been a lot of fun. Hit the like, hit the subscribe button, please. Uh, helps us grow this channel, helps us grow our shows. All right, let's talk defense, uh, to honor Craig stout. Uh, same question off the top. Um, anything rewatching that caught your eye about the defensive side of the ball? I think the defensive line played even better than I gave them. We're kind of giving them credit for on the immediate post game show, just a quick rewatch or like live. I kind of thought they were playing it a little bit safe. They were mush rushing a lot and they were getting to Kyler, but I almost kind of had the, the belief that it was a little bit more coverage based and the fact that the Cardinals had no real receiving weapons, but going back and watching it, I don't know. The stunt game was working really well. Chris Jones was dominant. George Karloftis was really good. Like, I don't think he was winning that cleanly necessarily, but he was being a nuisance. Even outside of his, you know, NFL defensive rookie leading six pressures, he was just being a nuisance all game long. I think Frank Clark flashed a couple times. Like, I think the defensive line played really, really good. Oh, here's, was Joe Colon huge in the Cardinals game or was the Arizona Cardinals O-line that bad? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I think Colon's stunts like the his experience working with a defensive line or defensive units that have run a few more games and twists traditionally than Steve Spagnuolo has in Kansas City to me that really jumped out and I think you saw the Chiefs look really good on it their guys that were spiking through were buying in you saw on Carlos Dunlap's um, sack Chris Jones was underneath he grabbed Rodney Hudson by the chest and just held him he just pulled him in and held him that's just a veteran move that every defensive tackle in the history of the NFL does on these kinds of stunts, but just seeing the chiefs and especially somebody like Chris Jones, who does hunt for his own stats from time to time, come out and make that move. I think you can credit that to Colin a little bit. And I think just the general overall twists and stunts they were doing up front, it definitely has his fingerprints, but they were all over Kyler Murray. They were in his head, whether they were rushing for, whether they were blitzing, no matter what they were doing, that defensive line, maybe wasn't quite dominant. Like they weren't the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cincinnati Bengals, but maybe a half step away from that to where it was something that the Cardinals had to keep in the back of their mind for every play call, for every drop back throughout the entire game. I'm glad you brought up Joe Colon uh, or the, sorry, I didn't see who who mentioned Joe Colon, but I, I was, I was glad someone mentioned it because I'm going to read this from, uh, from Matt McMullen does great work with the chiefs. George Karloftis, Chris Jones and Mike Dana recorded six pressures each yesterday. Uh, only Max Crosby had more among all players, and the Chiefs pressured Kyler Murray on 43% of his dropbacks. That is a disgusting. Is that that's that's a disgusting amount of pressure that the Chiefs uh, front was able to put. 
the stunt game, yes, I think that that played a big factor. I think that the, the stunt game was exceptional. Shout out Joe Cullen for 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 his performance and, and getting those guys uh, there. Because I mean, the, we probably haven't we we really haven't talked about Joe Cullen a lot. And like, I think it was kind of one of those wait and see things. What was the impact of Joe Cullen going to be on the defensive line? And I think you kind of saw a little bit of this already. It's like, okay, this group um, really you know, they put, they put a lot together here. I mean, you know, they, they were in sync. They were coordinated with their stunt game. Um, I thought the discipline with the contain rush was outstanding. Like I just, I think they did, they did such a great job of sticking to their game plan, containing Kyler Murray, forcing him to try to operate in the pocket. And I think, I mean, Kyler was flustered. He was just flustered across the board. I mean, he was bad. He was bad. I mean, I, I told you, I said it on the on the post game show. Kyler Murray was he missed some some low hanging fruit to to extend drives. Even beyond the throwing decisions, it just he wasn't seeing stuff pre snap at all. I think I think he was worse before the snap than he was after. Like he definitely missed some guys, but I don't think he had any idea what was happening before the ball was being snapped and. It's crazy because I know Rodney Hudson's getting protections correct. He has a long NFL career of being one of the best centers. He's getting some protection calls correct. I'm not saying he was never wrong or never beaten, but he's getting some correct. Kyler Murray's not throwing hot. He doesn't seem to realize where the pressure's coming from. He doesn't know he which couldn't pressure's see, on him. He couldn't see a cat front side or backside to save his life. The corner, the, the the defensive back corner blitzes primarily and slot blitzes. He wasn't seeing it backside. He wasn't seeing it front side. He had no clue. Sneed wasn't even hiding it that first sack on third down. <laughs> he wasn't hiding it. He was literally inside the tight end. He was aligned more or less as a seven tech right off the defensive end's hip. And then it wasn't even a safety. I'm pretty sure it was Trent McDuffie that was also over there for one receiver. Like, unless they think Snead is going to play the back coming out fast to that side. Like, what? Do What's he think? doing there? <laughs> right. Like, you realize that there's two cornerbacks yeah. sitting off the backside. And Kyler Murray is just like, nah, no, no way they try that. We're, <laughs> no way. Like, I don't, I don't know what he was doing. He was really bad before. I think after the snap, like I will chalk a lot of it up to, they were overmatched for his play. I'm not giving him excuses, but they were clearly out talented, uh, especially given all their injuries. It's just, he was really bad before the snap that, you know, half Steve Spagnuolo, but half Kyler Murray. But like, honestly, that's, that's kind of encouraging to hear you say something like they were more talented and like, Look, I know this defense has a lot of talent. Don't get me wrong, but the Chiefs rolled a bunch of young guys out on the field. They had a bunch of young guys playing, and the talent showed, and the talent played, and they played well. I mean, I don't think Trent. I can't remember Trent McDuffie getting targeted. Uh, if I if I remember, like, I don't think he did at all. And so, like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just, I, I was very impressed with the defensive coordination the talent level everything it's just encouraging to see how quickly that group was able to come together we have some news here really breaking news it's breaking news um tucker quick change the title of the show because this is just breaking of all breaking news uh this is from tom pelicero as harrison butker deals with an ankle injury the chiefs are are signing former jets kicker matt amendola to the practice squad per source if bucker can't go it'll be amendola kicking against the chargers on thursday night justin reed uh you're a real one my friend um that's not surprising at all i kind of anticipated that this would happen um 
I, I here's here's the beautiful part of how this whole situation works out for the Chiefs. I've been thinking about this a little bit. I kind of had a feeling a kicker was going to be signed to the practice squad specifically. For sure. It's a four-week minimum if you go on, on injured reserve. I don't think the Chiefs really want to do that. When is it, it's, it's four, four weeks, right, Matthew? I believe it's yes. four, four yes. weeks. Okay. I don't think the Chiefs want to put Harrison Bucker on IR, obviously. And then hopefully they won't have to. And hopefully this isn't a lingering you know, ankle issue. But this is the beauty of the practice squad. Because I think Matt Amendola, he can come in and he can have a couple practice or a couple games here activated from the practice squad without sacrificing a 53-man roster spot. This is a beautiful situation for the Chiefs. They can put them on the practice squad. They can play them for a couple weeks if they need to. And guess what? If Harrison Bucker can't make it, you know, another week or two, they can do it again with a different kicker. I mean, so they so, kind of, ha they have some flexibility here with the practice squad that's going to let them weather the storm of Harrison Bucker's absence. I think that's really valuable. It's a valuable piece with the whole practice squad thing. I think your theories on why to build a roster like that is very good. I'm going to give you the film breakdown, the statistical breakdown. Now I'm not watching film on Matt Amendola. <laughs> I hope Justin Reed still does kickoffs because Matt Amendola's, <laughs> Matt Amendola's career, he's a second-year kicker. He only played 11 games. His career touchback percentage is only 57%. You know what Justin's Reed's is? 100. <laughs> Get this weak-legged kicker off my kickoff team. If Even worse, on field goals over 40 yards, he was two for eight. The Chiefs are about to get a lot more aggressive on fourth down in that kind of weird zone where you don't know if you're kicking a field goal or not. If he's your kicker, that does not seem like he has the strongest of legs, or at least he's not accurate. But if I'm combining, you know, those long field goal stats with the touchback percentage, not great, Bob. So let Justin Reed kick off. He Dave Tobe asked him, I don't even know if you can kick off. Can you do it? And Justin Reed just goes, do you want me to put it out the back of the end zone? That was his response <laughs> to can you kick off? Like, let him keep kicking off because at least you're getting the touchbacks. And worst case scenario, oh, man, your kicker has to make a tackle? Hmm, weird. It's only like the third best tackler on the Chiefs' entire team that has to do it now instead of a Matt Amendola who can't even kick the ball out of the end zone. More uh, more news on the Matt Amendola front. Um, and if this tells you, I, I don't think Harrison Bucker is going to play because Tom Pelissero also reports Matt Amendola won a six-man kicker derby today in Kansas City. That also included Cameron Dicker, Elliot Fry, Chase McLaughlin, Cody Parkey, and Tristan Vizcaino. They had six kickers in for this for today. I they're doing a lot of due diligence for uh insurance policy. I mean, I know you're supposed to shop your insurance every year, but I just saying, it just seems like that seems like a lot of overkill if you're not having to put that guy in a crucial Thursday night football game. Just saying. I think it's wild that a sub 70% field goal kicker won a field a kicker competition like it's such a that's what just lets you know it's such a mental sport though right like it's such a mental position it doesn't matter how good you are at kicking necessarily it's just where are you at mentally on the day and how do you get yourself right because he like I said second year kicker you know it's not like he's played a lot but it's not like he was a good kicker last year for the Jets in fact I'd actually say he was pretty bad judging by the stats but he came in and won the competition versus guys that have been around the league I don't really care I just, if I see more than two non-touchback kickoffs, and especially if they get past the 25, I'm going to be furious because Justin Reed should be out there kicking all of them. <laughs> hey, uh, hit the like, hit the subscribe button if you're watching right now. Leave a comment. Uh, let us know if you like the show, what's going on here. Um, 
do you have anything else on defense or do you want to answer a few questions before we get out of here? Um, I, I feel like we have to do Craig proud. We can't talk more about a kicker signing than we did the defense. And we did. I've been watching for time. I've been watching for time. We're <laughs> well within our, um, our, our rights. I, I want to talk about the secondary briefly here. Um, I think LeJarrius Sneed was great. I think everybody knows Chris Jones had a great game. I think LeJarrius Sneed was a very close second. I thought he was actually really, really good coming up and run support, playing outside, inside. He made a couple of nice plays on the ball. So I thought Sneed was really good, and that was nice to see. He did have some early season struggles last year where he was giving up a little bit more separation than he wanted. So for a guy that's kind of the unquestioned cornerback one for this team, that was good to see. Conversely, I think the Cardinals had a plan to go at Rashad Finn, and I don't think it was a bad plan, but this was the plan when first-round rookie, undersized corner Trent McDuffie was in the game, and the Cardinals didn't throw at him. Instead, they threw at Rashad Finn, and their one drive that had success was kind of at Finn. Now, I know McDuffie's dealing with a hamstring injury. Doesn't look like he's going to be ready to play it this week. Maybe not for a little bit, just judging by the fact that he's already fully out of this practice. You know, I would have loved to see Jalen Watson come in for Fenton, we're not obviously not going to get it right now. I think he's going to play in McDuffie's place when the Chiefs go into their nickel. It's just, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. If Fenton keeps being the player picked on by opposing quarterbacks, the way that Steve Spagnuolo is playing rookies this year, I, I don't know if it's entirely unfeasible that we see Watson or maybe Joshua Williams start to push Fenton for some playing time. Not that he was bad. He just was clearly the guy being targeted by Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Uh, I'm going to say this about Jalen Watson. We're going to get to find out a lot about him this week, but also... Cool. Um, I said this on the post game show. I think this is the right week if you're going to miss for Trent McDuffie. Not, and obviously, I think we're all curious to see him against the bigger receiver. But like when we all talked about Trent McDuffie and the arm length and the size and all that stuff, the concern was like if you're in the back of your head, you're like, this team plays Mike Williams twice a week or twice a year. So, like, Mike Williams is a potential nightmare matchup uh, for a guy like Trent McDuffie. So, I'm curious to see how Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams are able to play in his stead. I'm guessing. Trent McDuffie's not going to play because he did not practice. Um, so there's there is that. Um, real quick, you might start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Guess what? It's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Go get liquid death at your local Woodman, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their local or with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. I had this stuff in Arizona. Um, it was delicious. Uh, had it with a, a nice bagel. Don't make fun of me for eating carbs, Matthew. Um, we're going to take some questions here to close the show out. So start getting some of those in here. I do want to talk about something really, really quick before we start answering some of those questions. And Tucker, you can get a few ready to throw them up. Um, because the Chiefs play on Thursday, we actually had an injury report for both teams. So Harrison Butker did not practice. I mentioned Trent McDuffie did not practice. And I believe these are technically just like if the Chiefs were going to practice, this is what they'd be because I don't think they're actually getting out on the field today. Orlando Brown, limited participant with a knee. Uh, okay, yikes. Um, or uh, Trey Smith, 
limited participant with an ankle. Juju Smith Schuster, limited participant with a uh, with a shoulder. Justin Watson, limited participation with a chest. Patrick Mahomes, full participant with his left wrist, and Justin Reed, full participant with his hand. Not practicing for the Chargers was Keenan Allen, J.C. Jackson, and Donald Parham Jr. Full participant, Rayshon Slater, and Drew Tranquil. So there's your rundown. Uh, don't like don't like how big the list is. Don't like that Orlando Brown Jr. is a limited participant already with a knee injury. Not great, um, but let's go ahead and, and get some of these questions up. Um, did I'm get this guessing this is Joshua Williams. Morgan C asked, did Joshua Williams even play and how did he look? Well, I couldn't tell you how he looked because CBS took me off the game when he started getting in there. So I really have no gosh darn clue how he looked. Um, I think he did come in late in the fourth quarter. Uh, from what I can see, like it, I didn't get to focus on him just given the chaos of trying to find somewhere to watch the game correctly. And then it was a blowout got kicked off the TV. So, you know, I was kind of doing other stuff then, but he didn't look bad. It's not like they would, it's not like the Cardinals were just targeting him over and over again. I do need to take some time to see what he looked like. I think it was still very telling that Watson was the first guy in and they didn't split reps. It was at no point in time that Williams come in and take a series for Watson. And even though the game was like, the game was starting to get out of hand, you could have very easily put Williams in there to get some target, you know, to get some coverage reps. And they still didn't do it until they pulled Fenton. I don't believe. So mm-hmm. I think that was pretty telling. We talked about it a little bit on the um, in the preseason too. It's like Jalen Watson might be a guy that's more capable of stepping in day one to contribute. Josh Williams is going to take a little bit of time, a little bit of seasoning. And I think you saw that in the last preseason game. All right, next, Tuck, next question, Tuck. What you got for us? Oh, DJ Beagler asks, I thought Juan Thornhill looked good. What were your guys' thoughts? Kind of up and down, right? Like, I think some of the plays on the ball were great. Some tackling issues can, can still kind of linger with him. So I think, you know, there was um, there was one specific play I think that the, the uh, Kyler Murray was picking on, was picking on Juan Thornhill's tackling ability because they, they went empty. It was, a, and it was like third and four, third and five, something like that. Greg Dortch was lined up over Juan Thornhill. And I mean, Kyler Murray was targeting Greg Dortch, hoping Juan Thornhill wasn't going to be able to make the tackle, and he didn't. So, I mean, I think they're picking on the tackling ability a little bit, but obviously you saw that game-changing play in coverage. I think that's a guy that's going to make some plays on the ball during the year. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, Maddie. No, I think that was about right. You know, very good in coverage. The tackling was a little bit more hit and miss. I did like, though, he was moving well. He was moving kind of like he did in the playoffs last year. Like, he looked like a guy that was confident coming downhill again. So, if you're going to miss tackles, miss him fast. He was kind of like that at Virginia when he switched to safety anyway. So, like, I'm okay with that. It's not great to miss tackles as a safety, but, you know, you deal with it if a guy's going to play fast. So, I think that he looked to be back on the Juan Thornhill track. Cool. Uh, all right. Uh, Matt Kentner asked the most standout rookie. I know my answer. I know what you're probably going to say here too, Matthew. This guy we haven't it's really George talked Car- about much. Yeah. It's George Karloftis. I, I think definitely George Karloftis. He, he played a lot of snaps. He played the most snaps for the Chiefs defense. He never once looked like the moment was too big or the like the athletic requirements were too big. He played well versus the run. I don't want to say great, but well. He was not again, not dominant as a pass rusher, but there, a nuisance, a 24-7 nuisance. And if it wasn't for being Kyler Murray, and I think the Cardinals were trying to get the ball out pretty quick, I do think he comes away from this game with a sack, maybe two sacks just from being a nuisance. So, like, that was good to see. I, I was very proud of what we saw out of Karloftis. 
I hope that we get a few more chances of him in like traditional drop back pass against Herbert. You will. So I think that'll be fun matchups watching him against Slater, who I believe he would have played against while back in college, flip him over and put him against Pipkins on the other side. I, I really like that matchup form of power, you know, motor rusher versus Trey Pipkins, I think is the, the matchup that I would be hunting. Better is the right word for him against the run. He's better than what we saw his last year at Purdue. And that's really encouraging. Like <laughs> what he was saw against the run, like that's growth. That's getting better. Um, yeah, you get the pass break up there too. I do want to give a shout out to Isaiah Pacheco. I thought he looked really good running the football as well. Ran hard. I mean, he was running real hard. I know it was late in the game, but I would like to see him get a few more opportunities earlier in the game. Uh, and, I mean, this, 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 this committee at the running back position is going to be interesting as the season goes on, because I do think you could <laughs> see Isaiah Pacheco get a few opportunities and maybe eat into Clyde's a little bit. Clyde looked good too, though. There's some good things there. You'd like to see it. All right, let's get one Sky more question. Look good. Sky, Sky looked good. I'm going to put it in there. Like, it's one target. You can't read too much about it, but made a catch, broke a tackle, almost ripped it to, you know, ripped it all the way to the end zone. I'll just give him, give him more reps. Good return. Good in the good return game, too. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, consistent, you be, too. Like, very consistent in the return game. Yeah. You got to be pleased with everything you saw. I mean, hey, the rookie class looked good, man. The rookie class looked really good. One more before we get out of here, Tucker. Jackie Moon, do the Chiefs switch up what they do on fourth and inches, or do they stay with QB sneak and find a replacement for Bell? Uh, you go first, Matthew. Oh no, this is the this is a fullback trap all day, every day. They're not switching up. They switched it up. They already switched it up. They switched it up last year. It's fullback trap. Um, I am intrigued. If Trey Smith can't play, do they still do it? Do they do it behind Nick Allegretti, who is definitely more of a power player, but he's still not Trey Smith. He's not getting down on the four-point stance launching out like a battering ram to make sure you get that one yard that you need. So I am curious based more on what Trey Smith does because it's always fullback trap, fullback dive, whatever you want to call it, right? But I don't even think it's a gap. I think it literally is called fullback trap behind 65. Like that's what the play is. It's not they, even a gap. So it's off. It's an off. It's an off center eye from the fullback. Mahomes yeah. pivots out and hands it off. They ran it 13 times last year when they were, or they ran it 14 times. The first 13, they ran the ball. They finally play action passed off of it and got another conversion. I believe that one was against the Bills, but it was like 13 out of 13. They ran the exact same yeah. play in that fourth and short situation. And I think it was 12 out of 13 were successful or something like that. It and was it nuts. Been, and it yeah. might have been 13 out of 13. I, it might have been 100%, but if not, it was like one that they didn't uh, convert on. So, yeah, it, that's their third and short play. I thought we were going to see that on potentially one of the plays when after Trey Smith had left the game – the Chiefs ended up not doing it. They were given the first down. I forget the play, but they were given a first down. But I was actually very intrigued to see what they were going to do. There was a reception right at the line to gain. I think they were given the first down. I thought they were going to be short. And I was very intrigued to see what they were going to do with it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see if they actually do it again still this year. I mean, it works so well. They will. Know. No, they did it in the they did it in the preseason. They'll do it. It's just it's the it's preseason, though. Like they they take all the old recycled pieces. You from do the not go fire. twelve of thirteen or thirteen of thirteen and get rid of a play. <laughs> no chance. Yeah, I mean, the, I think Trey Smith's impact is very possibly felt there. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's going to be worth monitoring. We will be back Wednesday with a live game preview edition of this show, getting you ready for Thursday night football. Normally this show, our second show of the week's on Thursdays. This week it's on Wednesday night, getting you ready for one of the biggest games of the year for your Kansas City Chiefs. It's coming, it's just, it's, it's hitting you fast this year. It's hitting you fast this year. Chiefs Chargers, week two, opening week two on a Thursday night, 
opening Amazon football. Cannot wait to preview one of the biggest games of the season for this football team. Make sure you hit the like. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Make sure you're following KC Sports Network. 17 shows getting you ready for the Chiefs this week. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, everyone, for watching, listening, and we'll catch you later. Chiefs by six.